0: Good morning. I'm so excited to be working on music today with the two Loras, Laura Bartolucci who will be singing in a few moments and Laura Perard who is playing trombone with us today and has has really just come to our church recently and it's so great to have Laura joining us this morning. So we're going to start with a few songs by Andrew Lloyd Webber. These are of some of the lesser known songs, I think. The first one is Any Dream Will Do from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. <laughs> Thank you. The next song is from another Andrew Lloyd Webber show, Aspects of Love. Love changes everything. And then a wonderful show uh, that featured in one of the early productions, Tommy Toon and Twiggy, in a show called Song and Dance.
1: We are because our ancestors were. We are new, never been done before. We are the culmination of our dreams and theirs, and we are still in progress. We are perfect just the way we are, already holy from the moment we were born. And we could use a little work. Come as you are. We are stardust and ruach, the breath of the divine, made for love and awe. Because we are, we gather in reverence with others across time and space, lighting candles shoulder to shoulder with all the generations that our lives might be a blessing on the world. Come, let us worship together. I invite you to rise and
0: body your spirit with your order of service in hand. The song that you just heard is called Becoming by Mary Grigolia. I'm going to teach you the first verse. I'll sing a line, you sing it back, and then we'll sing the other two verses together. I am who I'm becoming. I am all I have done. Will you join me with that line? I am I'm
2: becoming I am all I have done I am
0: what I am dreaming I've only just begun you got that one because it was the same as the other one now we change and go a little higher I am who I'm becoming I
2: am all I
0: sing that one together. I am
2: who I'm becoming. I am all I have done.
0: And the last line's like the first line. I am
2: what I am
0: dreaming. I've only just begun. We'll go on to you are what you're becoming. And feel free to harmonize.
2: You are who you're becoming. You are all you have done. You. second half you are
3: Thank you. Please be seated. I just love coming to church on Sundays and listen to the music that Susan is bringing to us. So so beautiful, thank you. Well, good morning, I'm Judy Goring. And whether you are physical or virtual in the sanctuary, in the social hall or family room, everyone is welcome here. I invite you to take a look around for a moment and notice who is sitting near you. It's good to be together. Whether it's your first time or whether you're already familiar with this place, you are an essential part of our celebration today. Welcome. Our services are multi-generational. They are lively. A multi-generational church is cooing, coughing, Wiggling, fussing, laughing, (laughs) clapping, (laughs) oxygen, whistling, hearing aid whistling, whistling, whispering, an occasional cell phone ringy thingy. And we (laughs) love, right on cue, (laughs) and we love the boisterousness of it all. We are one people of many beliefs, many origins, sexualities, and genders. We are all growing, we are all learning, and we are all loved. There's a children's table in the back with some quiet activities. And for youngsters, you know, who could use that little extra room to move around, the family room across the hall has been open now, with the service streamed live into the screen there. Kids are welcome to sit right up front or anywhere in the sanctuary. In fact, Reverend Angela and our Director of Religious Education, Mia Noren, want to tell you a little bit more about the new way we are going to welcome little ones.
1: Bless you. we've been saying for a while that kids are welcome to sit right up front and and that's true and now in addition to a kids activity table that's way in the back of the sanctuary there's a special area dedicated to little ones right here up front right by the pulpit
4: this is a prey ground p-r-a-y <laughs> and it's a space where children can see and be engaged with worship a space with a soft rug and activities, especially for them. It's a way of offering radical hospitality
1: as a multi-generational church. Trust me, when you're short, the best seat is up front. <laughs> you pay a lot more attention when you can see and hear everything.
4: Uh, Angela, I know people are gonna
1: ask you, what about noise? You mean like phones ringing and papers rustling and sneezing and coughing? Well. I think they're going to ask about kids making noise. Ah, everybody makes noise. I hear a lot of noise right now, actually, and there's no kids down here yet. (laughs) A little noise is the sound of a thriving, lively congregation. We would need to be worried if this place were dead silent, right? But just like before, if kids really need to cut loose, there's still a family room across the hall where the service is live streamed on the screen. And if adults who are unaccompanied by children really need to cut loose, there's a foyer where there's also a screen. (laughs) Soft toys encourage quiet play.
4: And over time, with the support of the whole community, children learn the patterns of the service. Actually, we have a reading about supporting children as a community. It's called Rules for Children in the Worship Service and it's by C.B. Beal.
1: Here are the rules. One, if you find that you're sitting in front of a child and they can't see, go ahead and lean to the side.
4: Two, if the children behind you are rustling papers, hand them a crayon.
1: Three, if there's a baby that's crying, offer to take the baby from their caregiver and walk to the back of the sanctuary and rock the child for a while. That parent could probably use a break.
4: Four, if the teenagers are whispering, give them some smarties. The rustling and creakling of the paper will replace their whispering.
1: (laughs) Five, if an adult complains to an usher about the noisy children near them, Offer to trade seats with that adult and then apologize to the family of the children.
4: Six. When a child is running around giving everyone high fives during the time of passing the piece and greeting your neighbor, make sure to give them an extra fun high five and then high five the next five adults that you see.
1: (laughs) Seven. If a child has worn tap shoes to church and is dancing on the wood portion of the floor, slip the sheet music for the entertainer to the pianist and roll with it.
4: Eight. When the children can't hear because an adult near them won't take off their puffy jacket and it keeps squeaking and distracting the children, offer to
1: help them off with their jacket and hang it up for them where it belongs. Nine, when the three-year-old insists on standing in the front row turned backwards looking at the rest of the people, give the child a pair of very dark glasses. That'll prevent the child from catching any adult's eye which would lead to distracting them This will protect the adults who, as we know, have very short attention spans and are easily distracted. Ten. When
4: a child in front of you is very squirmy, and then they finally turn around and you realize suddenly, oh, it's Jesus. (laughs) Take it in stride and play Got Your Nose till he turns around to the front again.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Mia. you have it, 10 rules for an amazing multi-generational church. So now we're going to get ready to do a little meditation and prayer. And what does meditation mean in a lively, multi-generational, diverse church? Well, it's not precisely silence all in the room, is it? It never is with a room full of people this size. Instead of silence precisely it's more about presence right about cultivating an inner stillness in ourselves which is so hard right even probably noisier than the room most of the time is our own brains monkey mind hopping from one thing to the other especially especially the minute we try to be silent and at peace inside right so it's about presence and that's what i invite you into right now let's breathe See if you can relax those shoulders a little bit, maybe on your next inhalation, exhalation. I'll bet they could drop about an inch if you let them. Breathe and check in with that body of yours, that precious body that got you here this morning. Wherever it's at this morning, whatever feelings you're having, go ahead and just accept it for now and let yourself be held here in the sanctuary as we continue in meditative silence. Let's lift up some prayers in our community. From my pastoral list, I lift up Carol Osland, who has a new diagnosis of cancer. We hold her in our healing love. We lift up Roy and Diane Moody, a married couple who are both recovering from surgery and some big health challenges. We hold them in our healing love as well. We lift up the name of Glenda Gray, who I just learned died on December 27th. Glenda was a retired UU minister who lived here in the Albuquerque area, somebody who touched a lot of lives. May light perpetual shine upon her now. What people and places are in your hearts this morning? I invite you to call them to mind, and as the chime rings, speak them aloud into the room so we can hold them with you. All these we lift up to the great powers of healing and renewal known by many names. We pray for them. We hold them in our love. And source of all, we pray for liberation, for the liberation and the celebration of all people, all people born from the source of all, already holy from the moment they are born. We pray for liberation from Prejudice, from fear, from oppression of any kind. Liberation from prejudice that we encounter and liberation from the prejudice within. Internalized, self-denying. Liberation for queer, trans, straight, black, brown, white, large, small, young, old, and every body. Liberation of hearts and minds too liberation, celebration, and love. We pray for it, we give thanks for it, and we dedicate ourselves to it. Amen. Peace be with you. I'm going to start with a story told about the great Rabbi Zusha of Hanapal, who lived in the 1700s. It's said that on his deathbed, he began to cry inconsolably, and his students and disciples were at a loss to comfort him. They asked him, Rabbi, why do you weep? You are almost as wise as Moses. You are almost as hospitable as Abraham, and surely heaven will judge you favorably. Zusha answered them, It's true, when I get to heaven, I won't worry so much if God asks me, Zusha, why were you not more like Abraham? Or, Zusha, why were you not more like Moses? I know I would be able to answer these questions. After all, I was not given the righteousness of Abraham or the faith of Moses, but I tried to be both hospitable and thoughtful. But what will I say when God asks me, Zusha, why were you not more like Zusha? When my daughter was very little, I was intent on protecting her from gender stereotypes. I used to dress her in blue overalls and in pink dresses, in brown Merrell shoes and bows. I played trucks and dolls with her. I kept her hair short. I used to distract her by letting her pick through my jewelry box while I cut her hair myself. I did not want any guff about it from some local hairstylist in the tiny conservative town in which we lived, a rural place. When somebody gave her a Barbie doll for her very first birthday, her very first birthday, I threw that sucker in the garbage. (laughs) It was not recyclable. I didn't feel right passing it on at that time. I hadn't gone to college yet, and there really wasn't much of an internet back then in the mid-90s. But I practically lived in the public library. Thank God for public libraries. Yes. And I had read Bell Hooks and Gloria Steinem and Susan Faludi, and I wanted my daughter to be her whole self. I brought some of this approach also to raising my son when he was very little too, but I didn't know as much back then in the 1990s about the way misogyny harms men, how it boxes them into a certain kind of masculinity, how it forces them to cut off parts of themselves and the violence they too can face if they cannot or do not comply. At that time, I thought the most important thing was for my son to see empowered women and for him to just think that empowerment was normal. That was my plan. As both kids grew, though, we did begin to have family conversations about masculinity and wholeness as well. So one of my favorite books to read the kids back in the 90s was I Look Like a Girl by Shirley Hamanaka. It starts, I look like a girl, but, and I'm going to read it to you in a second. So on the one hand, this book is about defying gender stereotypes, I think, as in, you know, I look like a girl and you might think that means certain things, but there's so much more to me than what you think. And on the other hand, I think the story is about the richness of being any kind of human and how we are all more than we appear to be to others and the way our imaginations can bring different parts of ourselves alive. I wanted to show you the pictures in this book, but unfortunately our projector is still out for repair. So I can't project them. I'm gonna just share the words instead and you can use your imaginations as I go. I Look Like a Girl by Shirley Hamanaka. Sheila Hamanaka. I look like a girl, but really I'm a tiger with a rumble, a roar, and a leap. I look like a girl, but really I'm a dolphin with a spin and a splash in the sea. When you sit at the table you think that you see me, but the real me has run out the door. For really I'm a mustang, a wild horse on the mesa, wind across the canyon floor. As I soar with the condors, the earth spins below me, I know how it feels to be free. And when I am sleeping, Like a jaguar, I'm creeping through the jungle of my dreams. If you hear me sing sweet songs, please listen again for the call of my spirit friends. With the moon, I'll be howling. With the wolves, I'll be racing through a forest that never ends. Throw out those glass slippers and send the fairies to sleep. No prince is waiting for me. For if you look twice past the sugar and spice, The eyes of a tiger, you'll see. I just need the forest, the mesa, the jungle, the stars dreaming over the sea, to free what is wild in the heart of a child, so I can be me, just me. They're probably too small to see from out there, but my daughter decorated the cover of the book with, yep, Disney princess stickers. I was like, oh, geesh!" <laughs> and then I remembered that I'm the one that taught her to both and it. <laughs> so. All our lives, our authentic self, that, that who we are at the center, wants to be expressed and loved and free. And all our lives, we receive pressure and messaging from the cultures we inhabit about who others think we are or should be. And as we try to meet those expectations, what's on the outside can wind up looking pretty different from how we feel on the inside. There are the stereotyping kind of messages, the ones about gender, ability, race, and all the other categories humans try to box each other into. And there are some broader cultural messages, too, that become these driving forces and limiters in our lives. For example, we receive the message, I am what I have. I am what I have, which puts us in constant comparison to others, right? Do I have enough? Do I have the right stuff? Do I have a car and is it the right kind? Do I have a home? And if so, is it on a foundation? Or are there wheels beneath it? I grew up in a home that had wheels. I remember realizing that meant something to other people at some point. Another pervasive message is, I am what I do. This is about employment, not actions. Our actions do speak loudly about us. But paid employment, sometimes it reflects ourself, but often it doesn't. Sometimes we don't have paid employment at certain times in life, right? I think whenever we meet new people, instead of asking, what do you do, we could learn way more interesting things about a person by asking, how do you like to spend your time? What do you do for fun? We're more likely to go hang out with a new friend for fun than to visit their workplace, right? (laughs) So, like what do you do for fun? That's a better question. Okay, another falsehood we humans are prone to internalizing is, I am what other people think or say about me. That is just not always true, right? We are not what other people say or think about us all the time. Other people are wrong sometimes. I wish that kids especially knew this. Grown-ups, don't you wish that you had known that when you were a kid? That sometimes other people are just wrong? That sometimes grown-ups are wrong? Sometimes grown-ups are wrong, and they might think or say something that's not true, including about a kid. A lot of the time, what other people say or think is based on assumptions, or it's colored by their own experiences, or their unmet needs that they're trying to meet, or it just reflects a lack of knowledge, and it's just not specifically about us at all. Which is why my old therapist used to say, what other people think of you is none of your business. <laughs> I was like, what? (laughs) Because that's really hard to accept if you think that you are what other people think or say about you, right? What other people think of you is none of your business. It is a relief to take that to heart though because we are not actually in control of what other people say or think about us. So those are three falsehoods we're taught about ourselves, that we are what we have, that we are what we do, or we are what other people say or think about us. And those lies can cause us a lot of anxiety as we try to live up to them. We might succeed for a time, and that can be satisfying, but it's a fragile way to exist, and and that's how it feels when we do it. It's fragile because stuff and jobs and opinions are fickle. They change. You can lose them. And the path to a happy life, a deeply happy life, does not lie in those things. It's in something that you cannot so easily lose. It's in knowing and being true to your authentic self, the self at your center. The writer Donna Markovic says when the inner walls to your soul are graffitied with advertisements, commercials, and the opinions of everyone who has ever known and labeled you, turning inwards requires nothing less than a major cleanup that resonates with me, (laughs) just resonate with you, a major cleanup. It's like there could just be so much on the inside that it can even be hard for us to find that self for ourselves. You know, how do you do it? How do you separate that authentic you from all that other stuff that needs to be cleaned up? When we've been buried with it, we can lose touch with it. We can't lose it, lose it. Our self is always in there, but we can become confused and lose our clarity about who we are. One of the times in life when we are at our most authentic is in childhood, of course. When we're kids, we have these rich inner lives. We have thoughts and daydreams, likes and dislikes. And when somebody says something about us that is incorrect, we recognize it and we will often inform them, right? We'll just tell them what's what. When grown-ups tell us there are acceptable norms about how to think and look and behave, and it goes against who that kid is in their heart... For example, certain gender norms, that kid knows it. And they might truly wish that they could meet the expectations of their family and community, but they will know if they can't, they will have that clarity. When I was little, I was scolded a lot for being too emotional and oversensitive. I didn't wanna be that way, but I just felt things a lot like a sock that was put on slightly crooked or a tag in a garment that was touching my skin. I needed extra time to navigate transitions. I experienced anxiety and distress in really big ways. And no amount of scolding helped with that. (laughs) Just didn't help. What I needed was for somebody to recognize that I was just wired that way. I was just wired for high sensitivity. I needed them to recognize it as a part of human diversity and to teach me some skills for it, some skills for being me. For example, how to ground myself and get re-centered in a distressing situation. Anybody else have an experience in childhood not being able to live up to what others said you should be or do? Yeah. One of the signs that our authentic self is running up against all that other stuff is that no matter how much we wish we could change, we just can't. But it's not a sign that something is wrong with you it's just a sign that you are you you just you just are you here's another example trying to fit into a religion that doesn't ring true or feel right to you because that's what's expected and then experiencing shame and guilt and fear because of that I've heard so many stories like that Another thing that can help us notice and get in touch with the authentic self inside is when we have the persistent feeling that we are pretending, that you are performing some version of you instead of being you. It's a variety of imposter syndrome. Not all imposter syndrome is like a red flag about your authentic self, right? Sometimes imposter syndrome is just part of growth. It usually takes a while, sometimes years after reaching adulthood before you feel like an adult, right? I think that's pretty universal. The same with starting a new career or becoming a parent. It just takes a while for that to settle in. We might feel some imposter syndrome. What about being a grandparent? Do we have any grandparents here? (laughs) Did you have any imposter syndrome the first time you became a grandparent? Anybody asking for a friend? Even though my daughter's turning 27 and getting married this year, (laughs) I'm feeling a little imposter syndrome about that. That's all okay, right? That's just about growing into new roles. But when you feel like an imposter in a well-established life, like in your regular life, that is something to pay attention to. And in fact, paying attention to that, paying attention to your true self is some of the most important spiritual work you can do in your life. It might sound kind of selfish on the surface, right? All this like talk about being self-centered, centering in yourself, but at the heart of that is a quite deep religious question. Is life sacred or not? Is your life a precious gift or not? If it is, will you take the matter of your wholeness lightly? Your full living in it? When we live inauthentically, we spend a lot of precious energy on things that don't come naturally to us, on things that don't help us thrive. And We can get stuck in that pattern, afraid of what we might lose if we speak and be our truth. But when we find ways to do so, whether it's in small steps, if that's all we can do, or whether it's in big changes, that is a kind of liberation of the self and the spirit. I once heard a liberal evangelical preacher say, we're all going to die. The question is, will you live? Very fiery preacher. We're all going to die. The question is, will you live? Will the real you live? That is the question I'm inviting you to contemplate this morning.
2: They're becoming, we are ooh, all we have done, we are what we are dream- Dreaming we only just. Begun.
3: We're going to collect the offering in a moment. One thing about sharing our abundance, whether it is an abundance of our time, our talents, or our money, It is one way to make ourselves bigger in the world. We extend our reach, our impact, when we share what we have. And that's even more powerful when we do it together. Our Change for the Future recipient this month through February is Street Safe New Mexico. They're a small, all-volunteer run organization that provides essential services to women trafficked in sex trade. Many of them, at the same time, are unhoused or in need of mental health or other care. You can donate to Street Save by dropping your loose change in the collection box or by using the envelope you find in the back of the chair in front of you. Simply label it CFF, or Change for the Future. We will now gratefully receive the offering.
0: learning this song from The World's Greatest Showman with Laura Bartolucci. And I just noticed just now the musical expression at the top of the first page says, with defiance. (laughs) The name of the song is This Is Me.
5: I'm not a stranger to the dark. And the sharpest words want to cut me down I'm going to stand a flat, I'm going to drown them out I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be, this is me, look out cause here I come And I'm marching on to the beat I drum, I'm not scared to be seen i make no apologies this is me For the sun Yeah, what we have become Yeah, that's what we've become I won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us For we are glorious When the sharpest words want to cut me down I'm gonna send a flood, I'm gonna drown him out. I am brave, I am bruised, I am who i meant to be, this is me. Look out, cause here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen, I make no apologies, this is me. Whoa. Oh, this is me And I know that I deserve your love There's nothing I'm not worthy of Oh, when the sharpest words want to cut me down I'm going to stand a flat, I'm going to drown them out. This is brave, this is bruised, this is who I'm meant to be, this is me.
1: Thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you on behalf of the congregation and especially on behalf of Street Safe. I know it makes a huge difference to them. Thank you, ushers. The offering is one way that we receive your financial support. You know we also had a fall operating campaign. That's another way. Sometimes there are other special campaigns. One thing we won't do is for a minister or other staff member to reach out to you on the side one-on-one and ask for some sneaky gift cards. We don't do that. That is a scam. (laughs) If anybody reaches out to you like that, don't fall for that phishing attempt. We only go through official channels here at the church. Um, And there has recently been another round of phishing attempts, somebody trying to pretend they're one of us. They often set up an email account that sounds kind of formalish, and it's not. It's not us at all. So heads up on that. This is one of your regular PSAs about that (laughs) phishing thing that comes around every once in a while.
3: We have a few invitations for you all this morning. We're excited to have restarted our Wednesday evening Zoom Vespers, and you are warmly welcome to join us this week at 7 p.m. for this short, oh, 30 minutes or less of grounding in the middle of the week. If you think you might enjoy supporting Vespers, either by working behind the scenes, managing some simple tech needs, or helping as a worship leader, choosing readings or poems, and holding sacred space, please contact our inter-minister, Kristen.
1: We also want to invite members in good standing to come to the annual congregational meeting. That's next Sunday at 2 p.m. You can attend right here in the sanctuary or by logging in on Zoom. You use the same link as you would to come to worship service on Zoom. You can find that on the church website. That meeting is where we're gonna vote on the budget and bylaws changes and leaders of this congregation for the coming year. We're also gonna vote on adopting the Eighth Principle, committing to dismantling racism and other oppressions and being a multicultural, inclusive congregation. It's a big meeting for our congregation. We hope lots of people will come.
3: Uh, Today, members of the Eighth Principle Exploration Task Force will be available to talk with you about it and answer any questions you may have. If you're interested in discussing this or have questions, please look for uh, Jane Davis at uh, in-person coffee hour, and she's wearing a special button.
1: Jane, you want to raise your hand for us? That's Jane right there, yellow button. (laughs) Thanks, Reverend Jane. Uh, There's also a town hall today. That's on Zoom only. That's at 2 p.m., and that is for any questions about the budget or proposed bylaws changes. And again, you would use the same Zoom meeting number as you do to come to a church service. So you can find that on the website. That's at 2 p.m. Town Hall. All right. Lots of invitations. Always lots going on around here. I wonder, do we have any first or second time visitors here this morning who would feel comfortable raising your hand so we can just welcome you into this big, busy place? There's one, two, three. A warm welcome to you. We're glad you decided to visit. And I invite everybody to rise, body your spirit, and greet each other with this peace gesture. One hand over your heart, another one just extending out towards your fellow churchgoers this morning. Peace.
0: a beautiful song by Issei Barnwell, We Are, which reminds us that from that core of your authentic self, your self-center, we are inevitably connected to everyone in our lives and everyone around us. We are.
6: For
2: each child born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. For each child born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. We are our grandmothers' prayers. We are our grandmothers' dreaming. Litany. We are mothers of courage and fathers of time. We are daughters of dust and the sons of great visions. We're sisters of mercy and brothers of love. We are lovers of life and the builders of nations. We're seekers of truth and keepers of faith. We are makers of peace and the wisdom. We're
0: gonna go forward.
2: We. My grandfather's dream.
1: Go in peace, friends, and may love bless you and keep you until we are gathered again. Blessed be.